In the sports talk radio justice world, mediocre quarterback play and porous tackling are considered especially heinous. On the Lance J Show, the dedicated detectives who investigate these vicious felonies are members of an elite squad at Paragon 7 Studios. These are their stories. So uh, I uh, ran into my friend Anna Hanshub, who is uh, brilliant. She's the CEO of her own company. So woman run, woman owned. For right. those of you that are, you know, uh, awesome. that are listening, that are trying to get inspired, here, here you go. And uh, just amazingly strong at healthcare awesome. quality, at healthcare ops, at healthcare compliance. So uh, she 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 uh, allowed me to drag her down here to I make me look look me look better, man. Now now now, Anna, I've seen you around for many years, so I I don't know you, but I know you, and I've seen I know I know your bio, I know a lot of the stuff that that you've done. We know a lot of the same people, so it is it is a pleasure to have you on the show outdoors here in Nashville. I, I appreciate you coming on and spending some time with us. Tell tell the audience about your background. And, and some of the things you've done as far as your matriculation up up the corporate ladder. Well, the honor's mine, let me just say that first. I was like, oh, when's he ever gonna ask me to be on the podcast? Oh man, it's a, it's a pleasure. So a here pleasure. I am and, and, and honor it also to sit here next to Dave. Uh, so a little bit about me. Um, I'm the principal at Cat5 Strategies, right. uh, which is a, a healthcare advisory practice. Uh, I spent the last 15 years in uh, executive uh, positions within yep. uh, health plans. Within what are the, some of the health plans? Uh, oh, little health plans. You were not going to have heard of them, but little health plans. And within the value-based provider uh, group environment and in the hospital setting, right. I, I ran a, um, a hospitalist group as well. And then from there, I started my own um, uh, advisory practice and got to work with health plans big and small all over the country and then with vendors that nice. uh, want to work with health plans within a government programs nice. space. Um, so Value-based care is so important because um, David and I both you know run risk teams, run star teams. If you don't have good contracts at the top, then, then it's very difficult to get the ideal results right. for, your, for your membership base. So when you have to have a good value-based VP or SVP, someone that, that you can partner with and that right. you can write really good contracts that are advantageous to the providers so the providers get paid because it, this is business, that are advantageous to the plan so the plan is able to get uh, as much out of the providers without having to pull a zillion retro charts and and do all of the do all of the grunt work themselves. And then most importantly, what's good for the members. I mean, at the end of the day, we're all in this business to make sure that members have better outcomes uh, and they're able to live longer and have a better quality of life. Yeah, I agree completely. So we did the, the actually Dave was there. We did the the CBO workshop. All right. When we got here so give on the acronym, Sunday. Because not everybody's going to know that acronym. So the Community-Based Organization Workshop. Right. And what we did is we spent three hours talking about what are the best ways for you as a community-based organization to partner with health plans. So right. very nice. similar to some of the same considerations that providers have to have yeah. as they're partnering with health plans. And health plans have to have as partnering with providers. Yep. The, same, the same environment, the same infrastructure has to be built mm. when they're partnering with CBO. So we spent about three hours really going through all of the different ways that you can partner with health plans. What are health plans thinking about? 
how does that fit into what the CBO or mm -hmm. even in, in what you were bringing up, James, the providers right. are thinking about and what they have established as their framework, their day-to-day -day workflows, okay. and how does that fit into what the health plan needs to accomplish as their key performance indicators. So we talked a lot about that. One of the main things which you just brought up was in the contracting of the, of the service that the CBO is going to provide mm -hmm. and all of the different considerations. So I'm sure, you know, you guys can think of a million things. Well, so, so, so dude, so she, she's, she's trying to do this really serious thing, right? And then, you know me, so I, so I start, I start asking questions about like data interoperability right, and, right, right, and right. how's the handoff and, right. and how, what happens to the culture right. when a health plan tells a, a little community-based organization how they need to share data. It was like, dude, I was like, I kicked the anthill. Like, like that, that I, I, I might as well just farted in the room, right? Well, Everyone I exactly would have described it. That was actually my first thought is how how are these CBOs going to respond when a health plan tells them how to manage Dude, their they're data? They're little small that, that organizations, has, you know, health man. Health plan that has changed healthcare or or Optum or something that's paying five million dollars or you know yeah. eight figures for a claim what system. What did they tell you? They though? tell a little they mom and pop how to manage well. their data. How? What did they no, tell you? Well, go? yeah, but but it was like yeah, but it was like a, a couple. So the, the the fanciest folks in the room, right? The the big national CBOs. We're like very quick to point out, hey, no, we got the we got the structure. Da -da 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 -da, right. We're very right? sophisticated. We're very sophisticated. Right. Okay, fine, I got it. But I got a couple of people coming up to me during the break, like, oh yeah, no, we, we get swallowed. And I say, right. like, really, I mean, you, you get these these little small, like it's food, it's shelter, right? It's it's housing, it's it's uh, loneliness and 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 psychological support and stuff sure. like that. And like these, some of these operations are small. And if and if a health plan comes in with their asks, and 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 and, and like that 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 little organization can't absorb it, you know, shut this stuff down. Right. So so I'm excited. I'm excited about how you allow these organizations to be themselves, and then you sit somebody in between them and the plan, right? So the health plans, the big national health plans, don't change these little tiny community-based organizations. Right. They stay who they are. Somebody sits in between, and they kind of regulate and, and, and support. And that's kind of what, happen what was happening, what right? They were yeah. saying that. Um, you know, the way I was thinking about it is that there's a really great business case for investing upstream. Totally. For health plans to invest upstream in some of these little guys that are boots on the ground, they're getting it. You know, the way somebody talked about it yesterday, which I found brilliant, was, look, sometimes you don't need an aircraft carrier because the aircraft carrier can't pull into that port. Right. But my little organization right. can pull into that port. Be agile. Right? I can be agile. Right. I can get into all the alleys right. that the big health plan can't get into. And so when the health plan decides, you know what, I'm going to invest in that and allow them to put in yeah. like the extra infrastructure that's needed to, you know, yeah. call it compliance, call it privacy and security, right. call it systems interoperability, whatever yeah. you want to call it. Yeah. Um, to me, that's such a worthwhile conversation for a health plan to be visionary right. and invest upstream like that no, in I an agree. organization they might not have thought about. I agree. So one of the reasons I wanted to have uh, Anna, both you and David on the show was to kind of give a recap of, of the conference itself. So. We talked about the the 
you know, upstream investment and, and kind of this new paradigm with these smaller organizations that are getting, I don't want to say gobbled up, but, but they have to find a way to streamline their processes into the, into the big fish. What are some of the other topics that uh, Social Determinants of Health, uh, this conference is covering? What are some of the major topics that are attached to SDOH programs and health equity programs? Oh, you got the right person because Anna's one of the co-chairs. So, <laughs> all right, you're on, Anna. So the big, um, the big thing I've been hearing and I've seen so many is uh, food. Food. So I've I've seen Farmbox RX. Uh, they're they're awesome. And uh, shout out to Jen with with, with Farmbox RX. Um, we're actually on the Landshade Radio Network. We're going to be partnering up with the with the Cooks Nook. So that's an announcement that I had not made. So all that's right. a, a breaking news. We're going to be working with Cooks Nook and kind of promoting them and working with them. Uh, so awesome. people that are in the DC area listening on WOL 95.9 FM, uh, we're gonna get Cook's Nook and their, their process. They're more into the packaged foods mm -hmm. and really aligning them with people that are coming out of the hospital uh, because they've had deal. a surgery and they, and they need two weeks worth of packaged meals. That's so a big deal. they're not right. as into the heavy produce as the Farmbox RX or US Hunker, but they, but they have those packaged meals and we're gonna be working with them. What, why is food so important for for people that are battling chronic conditions i mean we have the traditional you know dave and i are, are retro guys and getting charts and getting the hcc and even getting even getting care management involved and all of that stuff but food is the essence it's it's the core i mean you can't battle some of these major chronic illnesses That's if you're it. not eating properly so what is That's the it. genesis anna I love that health plans are really starting to invest in food, but when did when did that happen? Because that I've been in this business for a while, not as long as you two, but this is something that's relatively new in, in my opinion. For sure. So, well, food has been around and recognized as a benefit for a long time via meals, right? So post-discharge meals, like you right. just mentioned, somebody right. goes home from the hospital and they get you know it's recognized that they may not have the ability to cook themselves for themselves right. after they, they get home right but what if what they went into the hospital for was food related right, right? it was exacerbated by a poor diet right. or lack right. of access to a good diet or whatever food related issues right. that somebody might have that might land them in the hospital or let's say make it directionally so that they get there quicker, right? right. That they had these food well, I mean, if you're, if issues. you're diabetic and you're eating a high starch diet, right. and that's all that you Perfect have example. access to, and you're not getting uh, adequate water, you're drinking Kool-Aid and soda or diet soda, you're you're going to have blood sugar spikes and you're, yeah. you're going to end up in the ER. You're going Perfect to end up with complications. Example. Right? So CMS recognized it and allowed that as a benefit. So when CMS changed the rules uh, around um, the benefit flexibilities and specifically giving plans the ability to address social determinants of health through the benefit design they came up with the concept of special supplemental benefits for the chronically ill right. and that's how the concept of meals beyond that limited basis came about and that's and for the medicare and medicaid programs. for medicare i'm for talking medicare, medicare okay. now but and, and medicaid has been addressing the, i was going to give the listeners on on our stations i think we like to educate 
because we get we get a lot of DMs and a lot of emails and saying that hey, I didn't know that I could get free diabetic test strips at this right. specific program, or I didn't know in That's DC right. that there's a broadband yeah. internet access program, or I didn't know that there was free HIV testing. I mean, there's so many programs that are out there. We like to educate the the listeners on. Well, that. there's so many Medicaid right. programs that are right. also addressing food insecurity awesome. using awesome. meals and food and produce and meal. There are tons of ways to connect members with food. They can stuff. be done as a care management intervention. It can right. be done as a, an incentive program, like rewards and incentives. It can be done as a benefit now through socials, uh, through SSBCI, the Special Supplemental Benefits for the Chronically Ill. Okay. All of those things. And it, plans have been getting creative. So, for example, they send people home with meals and then they transition them to food and produce because right. they want to teach people how to cook for themselves long term. Totally. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, like, it, it, James, you think about, like, the, why does food matter? Because nobody freaking takes their medication if they're hungry. That's true. Nobody worries about their That's weight and, 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 and weighing themselves on the scale or exercising if they're hungry. Right. If you've got a major issue with housing, you've got a major issue with food, you're not doing health care. Seven Studios. You are listening to the Land J Radio Network. Paragon Seven Studios. And the chats are cool because everyone's at a different stage of, of their life. Sometimes you have some friends that are bachelors and they're looking for something completely different than, than your friends that have four kids are looking for. And then you have friends that are going through a divorce. You have friends that are going through health problems. You, you pray together. You, you comment on what's going on in society together. If you have loved ones that, that are struggling with their health or struggling financially, those, those chats are forms to, to really to discuss and and uplift one another and then you know people you got people they're still talking about who they had sex with in college back in 1998 there's always that guy on the chat it's like yo you remember when i tapped that rampage the first lieutenant of the universal flipmode squad it's just like yo slim she's got three kids and, and married a multimillionaire. she's not thinking about you you are listening to the lance j radio network